A financial plan requires planning. It's savings, RRSPs, investments, and planning for the unexpected. TD Term Life Insurance can help protect your family's financial future if you were to unexpectedly pass away. You can apply for TD Term Life Insurance online or over the phone by speaking to a licensed advisor. If you're under the age of 55, you could be approved for up to $500,000 of coverage without a medical exam. Conditions apply. TD Term Life Insurance is underwritten by TD Life Insurance Company. Visit tdinsurance.com slash termlife to learn more. As we spend more of our lives online, people are looking at more ways to make money online. From delivering food to being a YouTube star to turning your Instagram followers into cash, the platform economy is growing and the tax man wants his cut. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post politics reporter Christopher Nardi joins me to discuss how lucrative business is for some influencers, how Canada Revenue Agency put a team together to track posts from them online, and the ways in which people have been caught ducking their taxes. Don't forget, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your favorite shows. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Chris, for people who don't spend hours on social media like you and I, before we kind of dive into our discussion, first, let's clear up one major term. What is an influencer and how is what they do considered a job? So an influencer can be a lot of things. And I think when you speak to the average youth, the first thing that comes to mind when you say influencer is someone on a platform, say Instagram or Facebook or even YouTube. They're people who, by the scope and size of their social media following, are able to create this kind of mass following effect and become influencers of style, of cosmetics, of products, of lifestyles, call it as you'd like. And so these influencers are people who, yeah, who, who just are able to create these movements around anything that they post about, and so gain a lot of cultural relevance through whatever platform they're running. But obviously, the main common denominator between all types of influencers is the fact that their platforms are digital. They're running through internet platforms, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, as I mentioned earlier, or any of these. It's a very new emerging sector that is completely online. And it's basically people with a lot of followers who can move markets, I guess, in a very loose way with the items that they post and the things that they promote. So we're talking about people who are using that audience to potentially sway people toward a certain product or promote a certain product or promote themselves as a brand. And because they have audience, as you and I know, working in a business that relies heavily on audience, that because they have audience, they can make money off it, right? That's exactly. You actually touched on a good point there. They are the brand. So an influencer's brand is themselves. And so what they do is they choose the products, or if you're big enough, companies approach you, and they want your brand to be associated to their product, whether it's because the aesthetic and the look on your posts is what they want, or whether it's because you represent, you know, luxury lifestyle, and they want to be associated to that. Or it can be, you know, the term influencer can be used very loosely, someone who plays video games in front of 1000s of people online can also be an influencer for products like keyboards and mouses and energy drinks for gamers, they're geared towards gamers. Influencers are just people who have this brand that they've developed through 
their photography skills, their posting, their vibe, their last name. You know, if we talk about one of the most famous influencers of the world, Kylie Jenner, who's part of that Kardashian family, you know, these people, they command weight just by their online presence and are able to market it very successful in some cases. So how much money are we talking about in Canada? Like, what are some of these people making? It's still hard to determine, but I think what can be interesting to give a a good portrait of it is how much the top ranks make. And now we can be talking tens of thousands of dollars, even million dollars a year, Dave, that some of these influencers are raking in. I'll give you a few examples. There's a, a young man, for example, out of Richmond called Evan Fong. He's a Toronto area video game commenter on YouTube. So he basically mm-hmm. makes videos where he talks about video games. He comments on them. He makes funny clips. He makes reviews. He, according to reports in 2018, raked in 17 million US dollars in a single year simply by attracting these eyeballs to his YouTube channel. That's a Canadian example, but you know, earlier I mentioned Kylie Jenner, the Kardashian. You know, recent reports show that every time that she promotes a product on her Instagram page, she brings in over a million dollars. It's basically like buying a Super Bowl ad. <laughs> if you're buying a Kylie Jenner post, you're basically paying over a million dollars for your kind of 30 second spotlight. But her power, her magnetism on social media has been described as nearly market moving. Wow. And so Canada is obviously not foreign to that phenomenon. Canadian, especially Canadian young people are, are jumping on that boat. And so you can be an influencer who can maybe get a $50 gift card or also uh, receive gifts. So a lot of influencers also operate just on the fact that they receive complimentary items, they receive complimentary travel, they receive complimentary services like going, you know, spa days. That, in the eyes of the taxman, we're going to touch on that obviously, is considered taxable income. So it's not always necessarily you're getting paid, but you can be receiving significant value in the form of actual physical gifts or services. So obviously, because these people are making money in this area and the taxman is going to have his eye on a slice of the action. I assume that like you and I, we get income from our employer and we're taxed on it. They have to declare income they make as, I guess, small businesses or big businesses, depending on how big they are. That is something that is an emerging risk for the CRA and for Canada's tax system in general. You know, I mentioned there can be some really large sums of money in play, but ultimately this emerging economy, which we call, you know, we're talking about influencers, but it's part of this kind of larger swath of products and emerging services and enterprises called the platform economy. And a platform economy, Dave, is just basically any service or work that is based off of an internet platform or applications for the most case. And it can be a very large definition. It could be anything from, you know, influencers on Instagram to people who rent out their houses on Airbnb or people who drive their car and taxi people around like Uber or food delivery people on Foodora, for example, or Skip the Dishes. That's all part of this large platform economy. And what Statistics Canada, for example, has noted over the last few years is that there's an exponential growth of the value of those economies as people just kind of really head towards them. It's obviously the future of a lot of industries. One of the people who are organizations that have noticed that is also the Canada Revenue Agency. And in an interview that I did with the head of the auditing and verification department at the CRA, his name is Ted Gallivan, he gave me a quote that I really thought spoke to the issue where he said, if young people can find a way to make money playing Call of Duty, 
the CRA has to find a way to tax that. <laughs> and I thought that was really emblematic of, you know, we have this emerging sector of, let's say, video game streamers that no one really would have thought of, you know, oh, they have to tax that or there, there's a lot of revenue there. But yes, and it's, an, it's a growing industry. And now the CRA says, shoot, it's not a significant portion of the undeclared revenue that we have. It's not the underground economy, the traditional one as we know it. But it's growing and we have to figure out how to make these kids, in most cases, or these young people, pay their fair share of taxes. How do they know if like a certain Instagram star or a streaming gamer or a YouTube commenter is declaring income or maybe made more money than they claimed that they did on their return? This is the interesting thing because social media stars and influencers, obviously their goal is to attract the most eyeballs possible to their pages, right? And their posts, that's how you get your visibility and you sell your platform. I think the last eyeball that they want though is the tax man's eyeball. But unfortunately for them, the tax man has noticed. So what Ted Gallivan from the CRA was telling me is they in fact created a unit of people, about 60 people hmm. last year. And this unit is dedicated entirely to figuring out how to best ensure compliance is the nice kind technical way, but basically <laughs> make sure that people on the platform economy pay their fair share. And so one of the things that he told me they do very concretely is they will have people, they basically drafted a list of the top Canadian influencers or the biggest visibility and the most likely ability to make generate revenue from these pages. So about top 200, let's say. And they will actually have people from this unit go and scroll through these influencers' pages. And what they're looking for is obvious signs of, of wealth or revenue. So, for example, scrolling through a page and you see, hey, I just went on this beautiful luxury trip to Bora Bora. First class, look at this hotel room with a view out on the ocean. Obvious luxury. Or other pictures. Suddenly, a big Mercedes Benz appears in the background of the pictures. They're flaunting fat stacks of cash. <laughs> you know, these are all obvious signs of luxury. And so what these people at CRI do is they look for that and then... It's a very simple one-for-one -one verification. They know the person's identity. They flip into their records. They open up the person's latest tax filings and they compare. Do the results of what we see on the Instagram page, social media page, match the revenue that was declared. Revenue obviously includes gifts. Mm -hmm. There have been some major discrepancies. But, you know, as the CRA says, a lot of these, you know, influencers, people who operate on parts of the platform economy... Their signs of wealth are very obvious. They literally live their lives out in the open. It actually can make the CRA's job much easier. So they've actually caught people through these investigators or through this social media team, as it were. Not only have they caught people, what Ted Galvin told me is that in a very small amount of cases, they discovered what he uh, kindly first referred to as major discrepancies. Uh, <laughs> and then he went on to explain basically what that means is that we're talking Mercedes Benz and the Instagram posts and zero dollars on the latest tax filing. So an absolute mismatch of monumental size. And so uh, at that point, it's very easy for the agency to say, hey, Let's call this person up because there are some obvious questions that need to be answered. Then there are other cases where they say it's more complex. You can be displaying significant wealth on your social media pages, but then also be declaring, you know, significant revenue on your tax filings. But that doesn't necessarily mean they match. Mm -hmm. And that's where the CRA says it's still complicated. And that's where it gets more complex. So that's why this team of dedicated CRA agents 
is also currently working on the best ways to audit these people, to verify, to what, what should we be looking for? What documents should we be asking for? What physical proof of transactions or payment can we go get from various providers or from the platforms themselves in order to maybe to prove or, or to verify at the very least is the amount of money that they declared the entirety of that person's taxable income and gifts as we see it on their social pages. Can they really do this? Just spend all day searching my Facebook page to see, you know, what if I won a prize in one of those hospital lotteries? You know, they give away fancy cars. If I won that, I'd be all over Facebook and and Instagram and Twitter, like check out my new Mercedes or check out my new Acura. Like, do I have to answer to the tax man for that? You'd have to answer to me asking you what you're posting. So basic stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's one of the concerns that were brought up by experts that I spoke to for this story. And, And it's just that. It's that sometimes the face value information that you see isn't representative of the more complex reality of tax reality. You brought up an excellent point. For example, lottery gains in Canada, for the most part, are not taxable. Another example that was brought up to me is inheritance. An inheritance is not taxable. So you could have inherited a very significant amount of money from a parent or an uncle or whatever. And, you know, you bought yourself a beautiful Mercedes G-truck, but you still made zero dollars because you were a student or X, Y, Z reason. And so that's the concern that some have, experts have is that will CRA in some cases jump the gun with some assumptions and, and kind of come down with the hammer on certain taxpayers when really it, it just required a little bit more digging to figure out that there was a, a lot more nuance to the situation. And I think, you know, what the CRA says in response to that is that that's why they're doing a lot of the test work that they're, they say they're conducting. This new unit basically as of now has completed 40 audits specifically targeting the platform economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got about 200 ongoing. But, you know, what Ted Gallivan told me is that these aren't fully operational audits. These aren't audits where we're coming and knowing exactly what we're doing, what we're looking for. They're test audits. They're test runs to figure out, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, what are we looking for? What can we claim? What information can we get before even having to launch a full audit? Because a full audit is a process. It's complicated. It's long. It's stressful for everyone, especially the taxpayer. But before that, there are obviously steps. What can we get from the person? What can we ask them before launching a first audit that maybe would help clear up any discrepancies before we even start suspecting that there was wrongdoing, right? So uh, CRA is very honest about the fact that they're still in the learning phases of this. And there are concerns you know, by experts about how CRA will eventually choose to go forward in these cases. And I think hopefully a lot of these test audits and you know expertise from outside will help guide the CRA in doing this properly and avoiding you know long, complicated, stressful, drawn out battles with taxpayers that the CRA may end up losing. Is it a case that people don't know their responsibilities rather than people trying to duck out on paying their bills? You know, like you and I, we work for a company, they go through the trouble of, you know, making deductions. And usually by the time we're filing taxes in the spring, we don't have much to worry about, right? But I assume that's not the case with like an Uber driver, someone who works for Skip the Dishes, or even, you know, now, like we were talking earlier, people on Instagram and and YouTube and things like that. 
Absolutely. So the CRA pointed out two major reasons why this is an emerging risk sector. And the first one is, is as you mentioned, the novelty of it all. If you become an Uber Eats driver, for example, that you've always been an employee for companies before, and now suddenly you are a contractual worker. That comes with a whole new subset of tax obligations and also tax write-offs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But These are all new industries that governments throughout Canada have been struggling and slow to regulate. And the CRA is kind of part of that. They have to look at each individual new platform economy sector and say, okay, how do we tax this? What category does this fall under? These are contractual employees. Uh, Social media influencers are exactly that. They're self-employed people. But like, what now counts for them as an expense, you know, a business expense? What kind of gifts are taxable or not? A lot of it is clear, but then, you know, obviously there are always nuances. and, And so people have to figure that out as well as the tax man. And I think there's a lot of of just people who are discovering these new forms of revenue and they have no idea how to file them on their taxes. So unwillingly in many cases, obviously willing in some others, and, and you know we can tackle that after, but unwillingly a lot of people may not just be filing all their taxes because they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And then the other kind of issue that CRA has spotted is that particularly when it comes to social media influencers, video game streamers and all that, it's the age of the earners are often very young. And when you're young, you're not like you and I, Dave, we're very youthful in our minds, but we've got experience in the real world. We've got years under our belts and we know how to file taxes. I've been filing taxes for over a decade. Um, I'm starting to understand what goes in there, what doesn't, you know, and I've seen the questions that have been asked to me. But when you're 18 years old, 17 years old, even 16 years old, and you're raking in $150 of donations through your Twitch stream every night. I mean, you don't, you probably don't even know what a tax filing is. You've probably never heard of a T4. This might be your first job mm-hmm. and you've never seen a T4 in your life. So that's why the CRA says right now, even though it's looking into, it's auditing and it's exploring how to audit and verify these taxpayers, it's also, it says, focusing on education, reaching out to those people, as we mentioned on social media, who have Mercedes Benz and there's pictures, but zero dollars in revenue declare and not necessarily coming at them with a hammer but saying hey you have tax obligations we're seeing some issues here let's talk them out and help you figure out your stuff and if that doesn't work then to audit them yeah but age and the newness of these sectors is absolutely a huge factor and makes it that this will be an emerging risk for the crm for the tax system in the future I assume that this is something they're going to have to deal with more and more as the nature of work in Canada changes correct Absolutely. You know, StatsCan came out with various studies on platform and gig economy over the years. And for example, you know, they said, let's take Airbnb as an example, short-term accommodations. Between 2015 and 2018, revenues from short-term accommodation jumped 10 times. It went from $265 million in 2015 to $2.8 billion. That's in three years. Wow. So if you can imagine that growth, you know, the gig economy, the share of people who worked in the gig economy. So again, we're talking self-employed people who do, you know, Foodora or, or Uber Eats or Fiverr website where you can um, you know, offer services for $5, for example. Mm-hmm. The share of workers who participated in that in just over a decade went from 5.5% of all Canadian workers to 8.2%. The CRA and StatsCan are all adamant that is going to continue to grow. Ted Galvin told me those platform-based sales are the future for us. And so as that grows, they have to keep an eye on it. And, and they're very, you know, experts and the CRA are very honest. You know, as of now, it's still a small portion of what we call the underground economy, which is 
any industry or any amounts of money that are undeclared to the taxpayer. But the traditional underground economy, so imagine, for example, the construction sector, hospitality sector, those are kind of industries that are well known for having, you know, working under the table, for example, or getting paid cash or undeclared revenues. Those still dominate the mainstream of tax noncompliance, but it's only going to grow that platform economy set portion of the underground economy is going to grow and it's going to grow and it's going to grow. And that's what the CRA is trying to gear itself up for right now. So it's not a case of them like ignoring these other sectors and targeting unfairly these groups. It's acknowledging that there's a future problem or an emerging issue and just trying to get a handle on it before it becomes an out of hand thing. Yeah, I think in this case, and, and this is maybe me editorializing and people at CRI may not like to hear this, but I think that <laughs> they're trying to get ahead of the curve when they've been behind the curve in a lot of other things, particularly offshore tax evasion. You know, the Panama Papers was generally considered by a lot of people as a failure by the CRA. What resulted from the Panama Papers and attacking offshore tax evasion, you know, experts Cross Canada will tell you that the CRA failed catastrophically at regulating that, and they're playing enormous amounts of catch up right now. And so I think that what CRA now is trying to do is like, you know, they're seeing this emerging risk. They basically just pulled traditional auditors away from their team and set up a, you know, a small unit, as we said, but they're at least trying to do some forward thinking on this one and being at, if not ahead of their time, on time. When it comes to this you know, sector so that in the future, when it does become a significant portion of the underground economy, they've dealt with it. They're readier for it. They know what to look for, who to look for, how to get the information, because that's always the CRA's battle, right? How do you obtain the information that proves that the taxpayer did or did not pay the proper amount of taxes? They want to be ready for that, and they're gearing up for it. And it is a move that was generally applauded by any experts that I spoke to as of now. Well, it is definitely an interesting story. And, you know, as we all sit down to finish our taxes, file our taxes for the previous year, we're all wondering, well, what does go on with these people? So, Chris, I appreciate your reporting and thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Nardi. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.